0: You are listening to The Think Tank, the unofficial NAFO podcast, brought to you by your best brain-damaged dogs and friends. Now please welcome your hosts, Matt, the TOEFO CEO, and Joe Place. And hi, it's Matt. Welcome to this week's Think Tank. And it's just me and Joe this week. We're just going to be catching up on what's happened over the last week. Uh, We had two really good guests uh, over the last couple of weeks. So just a nice, quiet half an hour chat with me and Joe, I think. Um, So hi, Joe. How are you doing?
1: Hi, I'm all right. How are you?
0: Yeah, I'm okay. I'm not too bad. So quiet, so quiet compared to
1: the last couple of weeks, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it has been a quiet week. And uh, whenever we don't have a guest, it's a bit, well, it's always easier for us I've <laughs> got to do like element preparation. I don't know if people can tell, but obviously, you know, I do try to the research on the guests and come up with lots of questions and stuff beforehand and plan things. I mean, the plan doesn't always stick. Um, but yeah, it's it's a bit different uh, this week, a bit more of a quiet calm week um, yeah. but in the, we've got some very interesting guests lined up for the next few weeks yeah we have indeed
0: we say, have indeed yeah
1: as usual I won't say who but
0: yep. yeah May, mainly because um, it, it takes me um, a while to organize them and sometimes we they turn up and sometimes they're very busy because unlike other podcasts who we won't mention but got into a lot of trouble we can't pay people <laughs>
1: yeah we, uh, we so could you we we could do a call out you know if, if if anyone wants to help us be our assistant be our um, <laughs> get, guest organizer you know uh send your cv and uh five hundred thousand rubles which is probably like ten dollars now and um,
0: yeah you got the job, yeah.
1: Got the job. Yeah.
0: yeah 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 fair enough um so do you to, do you want to take us through what you've what you've seen happening over this last week, Joe?
1: Well, I think the main thing is the counter-offensive. This has apparently been launched, they mm. say. Um, obviously, we've seen the various attacks taking place in the south, but also the east. Details are very blurry. There's a lot of media blackout, obviously, as there will be. And I think what is quite striking, and I think what has annoyed me a little bit, to be honest with you, is the proliferation that of propaganda and and misinfo whether it's deliberate people uh sharing russian propaganda you know all the tanks were destroyed everything was destroyed or whether it's just people trying to get engagement by using old footage Mm -hmm. or whatever i I I see a lot of this yeah so you know i really want people to be a bit more careful to be patient and yeah because i mean i shared a meme of the, the the tank uh i took from reddit you know like oh the leopard is kill and then it turned out that, that tank was rescued which was quite funny but yes you know, this is all this is all we've seen what like one tank was hit like some okay yes some tanks were destroyed it's gonna happen it's a war no one said it's gonna be easy just
0: yeah. Yeah. relax because uh trust in the zsu That's what I say. And there was a somebody put out some videos of Bradleys from that famous field um, being repaired. So they were recovered as well. And they're undergoing repair. Um, So that just highlights the difference. You know, the Bradley gets repaired. The BMP melts, basically. That's the difference. Um, Yeah. The people survived. The people survived as well inside. So um, rather than having to ride on the roof and get shot. They can, yeah. um, and it's very frustrating, you know.
1: You get your journalist, like, what's his name, Julian Ropka? Ro- 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 oh, Ro- 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 yes. Yeah, who's always like, oh, it's all over, it's all over. It's finished,
0: oh, it's it's finished. and it's not even, there. I don't think it's actually started properly yet, I, do you think? I,
1: no, I don't. I, I, I... No, I don't think so either. I think it's just, this is the beginning. This is the thing that when is a definitive moment of a counterattack? The, there isn't. Yeah.
0: There's, at the moment, it looks like sort of poking away at the edges to see a weak point or where they've not tried anything before or or just somebody um, or a Russian guy has just gone on for his lunch and um, left, left his post and it's empty. You can tell that I have sort of high level military knowledge there and mm-hmm. um but but you see what i mean they, they just sort of got to poke away and find because you don't want to go headfirst into sort of like uh, trenches and mines and 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 sort of just di- get destroyed yeah. you need to find weak points don't you and i would have i would have thought not being a military person but from you know what i've seen that would be the sensible thing to do and i guess that's what they're doing
1: and for what i understand you know some villages were liberated in zaparicia Char- mm-hmm. mm-hmm. um yeah but I think you know the, the the fighting in the south is going to be very different to the east, where they're a lot mm-hmm. more fortified. That's going to be quite difficult. Um, whereas I think the south is all going to be about like long range strikes, pushing them through yeah. More like I think more like we saw in Herson, You know, where mm-hmm. they didn't have to charge all of their men in; just bomb them enough until they're like, oh, okay, let's go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. and the thing is i th- I think that if they take it to like if they get if they could get to like melitopol this probably what could happen with even Crimea right if, if Donetsk and Luhansk which is going to be the difficult one but mm. uh, let's, let's we just have to wait and see and be patient and yes uh, there's plenty of stuff you can be doing to help which isn't sharing you can find people buying equipment you can donate do things like this Mm-hmm. And just make fun of people spreading nonsense. Like today, this former senator Dick Black. Um, yes, yeah, so I sharing... sent. I,
0: I sent him a, a very fine meme. Actually,
1: um very and, pleased with uh, that
0: one.
1: Just before we started recording, someone posted his comments as proof that the thing had failed. The counterfence had failed, and I just found it really funny. And yeah, I mean, I gave the guy a block. I <laughs> hit a, I hit I hit a meme at Dick Black and uh, carried on carried on with my life. Um, <laughs> yeah um but yeah that's like the main thing and obviously we've still got her son uh, the the effects of this are uh, continuing and the reaction of the world i don't know i don't know what's going on uh i know a lot of ukrainians there personally but i i have the un turned up yet have they no, there anyone? Huh?
0: no. apparently they were waiting for security guarantees before they did anything Mm-hmm. Um, which are obviously not going to be forthcoming. It's uh, it's just, and the, there's been zero coverage pretty much of anything, you know, in England. I can tell you now there's, there's not been anything really. And there doesn't seem to be a, any major response from the government either,
1: which is... Yeah, the unhar- EU have said it was an act of terror. I don't know if that has any meaning. Uh, I mean, I'm glad they said that, but I'd mm-hmm. like to know probably have a bit more than just a strongly worded letter. I don't know. I'm not asking, you know, EU to come in, like send their troops to Ukraine, but (laughs) I feel they could do something.
0: It's just, uh, yeah. And and we saw the Russians shelling uh, rescue boats as well, which was, and again, nothing is done. And nothing is done. And they ignored and they just, so, you know, I've rapidly come to the conclusion that if you've got a, a nuclear weapon, then you can pretty much do whatever you want.
1: Yeah, apparently. Yeah. The nuclear thing is an interesting topic. And I think that's probably for another day. You know, Mm. I do think in an ideal world, no one should have them because it just apparently gives you carte blanche to do anything. I do think probably had Russia not had nuclear weapons, there would have been a much probably would have been a military response from the West. But Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It definitely would have been, uh, yeah. Uh, I don't yeah, doubt that at all. You know, maybe it's t- maybe everyone can collectively agree to get rid of nukes, but starting with Russia or something like that. Yeah, okay. yeah,
0: that, that makes sense. That makes that makes complete sense to me. Yeah, let's do that with a DMZ, DMZ, and
1: a. I I, I I quite like the idea of not having weapons that are like horrific for <laughs> humanity and the planet. Sorry, call me call me a crazy hippie. I, I don't like things that can kill millions of people in one go. Yeah. Game. <laughs>
0: but on, on the other hand, it shouldn't be a reason to not take action against people doing this sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, which is what we discussed with Ben last week, so which was uh, that was good, wasn't it? So um, what did you make of Ben and Paul while we're, while we're talking about this?
1: Yeah, I think they were both quite interesting guests talking about different er- very related areas like but every time we've talked with our guests about the strengths of NAFO and the mm. the important role it plays in disinformation. Um, I am preparing something I will share next time we have a no guest episode, but I need to like like my thoughts a bit more in depth about this first, about how it fits into different kinds of internet, what sort of... Because I asked Ben this question about, in my dear world, would NAFO exist? And I think NAFO is fantastic in a way that it is kind of a step... And Paul's made the same point as well, that it was people tired of this different information and taking things themselves. Should it be the case that people doing things themselves? Is NAFO a great example of this sort of voluntary space... Uh, of this voluntary action i think it's so Mm. fascinating and i think you know there's different kinds of internets out there got like your more regulated rules like in the eu where we've also got the silicon valley model of like you know openness and things like that and in a way we kind of we are kind of trying to uphold these rules of like trying to combat disinformation but we're not you know we're not a government body which is i don't i don't think we should be Mm-hmm. Uh, I just think it's interesting, and I want to de- de- dig a bit into this. I think it's an interesting topic. Um, I did disagree with Paul on something, as I said on last episode. Mm-hmm. I, I do, I do some, I do still, because I was someone who was criticised of his tweet, thinking they were quite like oh, that doesn't say anything, That doesn't mean anything. I, you know, and I'm happy that he came and he explained himself on this, uh, and then you know, I appreciate his work he's doing. I think it was an interesting, you know, he's developing this theory of neo idealism, which I think. Yeah, it, 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 you know, it's a, well, it's not my IR philosophy, you know, how the world should be, how we should, how, well, not just the West, actually, how democratic countries should act in the world. So I'm curious, mm. uh, what will come of Ben's ideas here, how it will develop over time, will it have yeah. any impact? I'm very interested to see this. Yeah, yeah.
0: I mean, it's quite, it, it seems very timely, because I was reading some of his articles um, before, before the... Um, this second invasion before any of this started and um you and it just seemed very timely and it was like uh, maybe it's uh it's time had come if you if you see what i mean maybe Mm -hmm. he he wouldn't have got the traction it would have got had it not had an immediate (laughs) practical example of what we should be doing i I don't know Um, yeah no i think you're right on
1: that one definitely what do you think do you have any more thoughts on uh, on ben and paul i was about to say pen and ball but ben and paul
0: (laughs) um well i've got i've got a lot of respect for both of them and they get a lot well paul especially well we've experienced some of the um, harassment he gets online so how we meet, and um i was just i was having a chat with him beforehand and he, he's sort of gone from uh it's like a tiny um account who writes speeches for guys in washington's to sort of hundreds of thousands of followers it must it must be quite difficult making that leap you know and he's very enthusiastic and we need people to drive drive things forward you know and fingers crossed. Right. Yeah, Ben I think his ideas it seems to be it's like a happy is it a happy coincidence or maybe he was um maybe he is in fact a complete genius and mystic meg and he saw these things happening. But it seems like his time has come and maybe people should reevaluate how they look at the world definitely I mm-hmm. think. Um multipolarity is a real bugbear of mine. And um but hopefully he explained it in a much better way. And it's not that multipolarity is wrong. It's the, the way that it's being misused by Russia and China and Iran.
1: Which is um, the same as many ideas out there, right? They always get hijacked and manipulated and yeah, used for various ends.
0: Yeah. End. yeah I, I'm, but coming I mean, from the outside, it was good to hear that explained. So um, I, I'm
1: really glad you were here for that one because I think if it was just me and Ben, we would have talked for like three hours straight about like nerdy philosophy stuff. <laughs> and, and, and like we'd have an audience of about three people. So.
0: <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, I just got sort of all sorts of questions and most of them are like, why, why is this happening? And it goes, and it just, that's been my permanent state now for 18 months. It's like mm-hmm. Russia cannot be that mad. Uh, they would not, oh, they are doing that. Why are they doing that? That doesn't make sense. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, that's basically been me for 18 months. So don't mm-hmm. anyone feel bad. You know, you're not yeah. alone. I am yeah. there as well. <laughs> thats I think that's my job on this podcast is just to go, why? <laughs>
1: I think, um, do you have anything else to say about news? Oh, do you have any copium as well? Let's, we could always have a little.
0: Yes, I do. Those blooming tanks, those five tanks that have been reused 50,000 times now. And even the Secretary of Defense referred to it, didn't he? Austin referred to them. So there were there was two mine clearers and some Bradleys. I think they've all been re- recovered and re- into repair. But we've just seen thousands of photos of the same tank over and over again and the counteroffensive is finished and blah 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 and secretary of defense just goes well if you're going to use the same five tanks um you know that that's absolutely fine you want to delude yourself you you know you go ahead um and I think we also saw Putin putting figures out, didn't we, that bore absolutely no relation to reality. I think 100,000 injuries on the Ukrainian side during this amazing counteroffensive that hasn't really started yet. Um they've lost 160 tanks, I think, all sorts of things, you know, a death star, a tie fighter, a T-Rex. You know, the, the, everything's okay. gone. Optimus Prime, he's in there as well.
1: Uh, just what what if I'm Stop lying. It every does. time they do this, right? So every time they do this with the other counter-offensive, like in her son, they go, yeah. "We've destroyed everything," and then, like a few weeks later, they're showing obviously they didn't, and yet they they never backpedal. No one ever like, applies any thought or goes, "Huh, maybe I, I, I've been lying, or maybe I've been lied to." It's just no, I'm going to double down and they just yes. repeat the same thing without a single bit of critical thinking. Like, yeah.
0: It's, yeah it, it, and and if you i think what people have started doing is getting the old quotes from these from these people and just posting them saying here it is and there was one lunatic guy who said a week before the counter-offensive there will be no counter-offensive right and oh, yeah so it so everyone put underneath it remind me of this in a month And we didn't need the month; it was just two weeks, and we just posted the pictures of the tanks and and Russians running away and Russians getting shot by their own commanders. And you know, uh, and but he didn't go, "Oh yeah, maybe I made a mistake. I wonder if I should reevaluate my life because everything seems to be everything I say is completely false and wrong and is disproved within a week." Maybe no, he just doubled down, and it's like, oh, Oh, no
1: way. Well, either I mean, some of these people have act because they are, you know, they are deliberately spreading disinformation. Oh and yes, yes, yeah. And I think the the other people they live in such a like an echo chamber that they can't mm. possibly they they can their reality is confirmed for them online. And I suppose we're all guilty of this to an extent, right? Because that's how social media works, thanks like, to mm. the algorithms and showing you what you want and all this stuff like that yeah i mean obviously elon musk is trying his best to get rid of this by basically (laughs) putting your for you with nazis
0: um yeah that's basically that's unreadable for me now i cannot use that at all um well no no to be fair i use that to find terms of service violations to report um so Mm. it's quite handy for that um because it's so utterly hideous that you can basically go up all Go up the go up the list, just report that, report that, report that, report that, report that.
1: Yeah.
0: And they just hey uh, uh, yeah. Um,
1: I think I'm all, I'm all for stepping out your like echo chamber to hear like mm-hmm. other sides, but mm-hmm. not not insane propaganda and conspiracy theories. Like, no, mm-hmm. that's that's too. Yeah. this it isn't a reasonable difference of opinion. This is you are on a different planet. Like. Yeah, yeah, I
0: will in a plug for something else to listen to if people are really interested in conspiracy theories um it's mariana spring from the bbc she's got a really good series out at the moment uh called conspiracy land and she just goes around and interview actually interviews all the complete loons and finds out you know why are you doing this how are you being funded and she just asks them directly and it's a real eye-opener um Hmm. and so it is it's really is worth listening to right. it's not specifically about Ukraine but a lot of the um sort of things that she comes across and the people that she talks to um are, will obviously have weird views on on the conflict so uh, yeah yeah, yeah definitely. um it's worth listening to take a listen to that any other copium i think it's mainly been around the counter offensive hasn't it and the continued lies around the dam yeah, yeah they, so. they
1: they have they, they, they've had their week of activity with the dam and the counter offensive they've gone a little bit quiet and not, they'll come back probably next week so, you know
0: yeah 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 um Nord Stream popped up again ah oh, medvedev said oh, oh well yes yeah he said oh well if you've blown up nordstream it's okay we can blow up your communication cables they're like yeah mate maybe don't declare war on twitter <laughs> you know it's like we're going to destroy the infrastructure of the western countries like, i don't think you're allowed to say that on twitter but no apparently yeah. you are you are apparently
1: now twitter which they're not meant to be on in russia
0: by the way <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's banned isn't it is yeah. it banned yeah, I think it is. Yeah,
1: well, it was. I don't know. Maybe it's not anymore, but it definitely was for a while okay. when he was. Still mm-hmm. there. But um, I find it. Medvedev is so interesting because he was, you know, held up as by many Westerners. Ah, yeah, after after Putin, he will modernize the country. He met Obama, you know, who was like, "Oh, he's the future." And then, you know, he went. I think he was very bitter that Putin basically just came back, and as uh, like. Some people go. He was always like this. Very, I mean, very likely. Mm-hmm. But it could, it could be that he generally just became this bitter washed-up alcoholic and just hates everything. I, to be fair, it doesn't matter. He's an awful person, and um, but it's kind of entertaining because he's just basically rambles on Twitter <laughs> like a drunk, bitter middle-aged man whose kids don't call him anymore. You know? <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. Well, that's what he is. I think, isn't it? I think uh, so. Yeah,
1: sure. yeah. Yeah, Imagine yeah. being married to Medvedev.
0: Oh, my God. Yeah, um, so um, I think I'm just trying to go through anything else that I have seen or has made me laugh. Oh, there, is, there have been a couple of small things um, that we haven't discussed that are sort of hmm. tangentially linked, uh, which is Trump and Johnson, the double downfall.
1: Um, oh, yeah, this is quite entertaining. Um well, the thing it, is... What's going on with Johnson? I actually mi- kind of miss this I've been a bit preoccupied with other stuff.
0: Okay, so um, he actually supports Ukraine, which is yes. the, and he regularly goes there, and he seems to have a quite a good rapport um, with people in Ukraine. Um, although um, I spoke to one of my friends there, and I said, "Oh yeah, I see Boris um, is in uh, Kiev again." Um, I tell you what, how about we swap? Him? You have him, and we have Zelensky. How about that? And it's like, no. No, no, we don't want him. He sent he sent the end laws, but he's still a massive liar. And I went, <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, uh, they've got their heads. He's got his head screwed on right there.
1: He's in trouble for lying about uh, insulted okay. people.
0: Uh, so COVID, in- so during the COVID thing, during the lockdowns, no one was allowed to go and have a party or a gathering. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, and you had um, there was the rule of six, the rule of two, the rule of two and a half. There was you could go to the pub, you couldn't go to the pub. Rishi Sunak's Yikes. going to pay you to go to the pub, you know that sort <laughs> of thing. But it seemed that Boris Johnson did the opposite of whatever the law was at the time because he could, and his staff were literally wheeling in suitcases full of wine for huge um, drink ups in the on Friday afternoon on government time. And he stood up in the House of Commons and said, no, 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 no none of that we haven't done any of that um and the thing is you're not allowed to lie you know right it's it's a um i don't know how it would go down in many other countries but if you are actually proved to lie in the house of commons you can be thrown out
1: you know suspended what's is this what's happened? because i knew about this the garden party and all this stuff i I didn't realize that the latest news is still about that i thought oh yeah it's definitely it
0: is yeah it absolutely is um well because um they said we think you've been lying you know the police caught him uh you know and so they started an inquiry and it turns out yes he was lying all the time and there was all these other parties that no one knew about um so quite rightly they suspended him for three months and banned him from coming back to the houses of commons by they've withdrawn his pass and all that sort of stuff yeah and but the annoying thing is and i'm i really hate him for this because I didn't like him beforehand. And then he he supported Ukraine from the start and gave them all these missiles and and it's so frustrating because it's like I can't hate him a hundred percent.
1: Right. Yeah,
0: um, I can hate him ninety percent or eighty percent, but there's always that thing where he goes and cuddles Zelensky in the middle of the. You know, he turned up in this in the square in Kiev and just wandered around, and people came out of the store. And this was during the battles, wasn't it? And everyone was mm-hmm. like, "What the? What's going on?" And I thought, "Bloody hell, that's amazing!" And so I'm so cross. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. did you know what i mean but then there's oh, never good. a black and white there's never a black and white you know and everyone was saying oh yeah he's paid by russia blah 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 and then he goes and does that and you think you had to do that you know you've completely disproved this these things by doing that and uh and he hasn't stopped supporting them you know oh, and well. so yes i am now on the <sighs> side of things, <laughs>
1: side of things. Yeah, What's so, going on with Trump then? Uh, yes, he's he basically admitted to de- to sharing declassified documents, right? No,
0: he admitted to uh, share to storing sort of vast numbers of um, top secret and classified documents, not even declassified documents classified. That uh, I meant to
1: say classified. Yes, oh, okay, sorry. yeah, yeah <laughs>
0: so um, things like um, nuclear secrets of foreign governments I mean, there's only two foreign governments that could possibly be, um, mm-hmm. which would be um, Britain and France. No other foreign government that um, Britain, that you, the US has sort of relationships to that level would have information. So, you know, he's, he's left British and French nuclear secrets in the bathroom of his house <laughs> when, when Russian and Chinese people are... Um, yeah, so he had the Russian and Chinese diplomats coming in for parties and things, and they would have gone... what's all these boxes mr trump yeah yeah just seriously have a have a look through see what you can find and who knows what he's put at risk who knows who he's put at risk but of course he's done nothing wrong it's a witch hunt it's like mate you literally had the entire document library of the cia and the nsa
1: in your bar in your bathroom there are (laughs) photos of the, the whole library in his bathroom. What I find funny is, is how he's basically been admitting to this and his photos and recordings of him saying this. And and he's and he's putting out tweets that are just more incriminating. Like, I couldn't imagine being his lawyer. Well, his legal team are leaving him, aren't they? No, they quit. As soon as they
0: saw the indictments, they quit (laughs) because it's so utterly indefensible. (sighs) Um, You know, normally it's a taxi rank the cab type type thing where you get a case and you know in in Britain it is anyway so the barristers are in a sort like a queue and you turn up and here's a case and you go yeah okay I'll sort that out but this one was so utterly indefensible that they just looked at Mm -hmm. it and went nope you're on your own mate I'm leaving bye it's absolutely just utterly shocking and blatant and luckily he has never really supported Ukraine. Um uh, he didn't he try to blackmail Zelensky at some point. Yeah, um yeah. he did. He was impeached for that actually, wasn't he? So yeah. um yeah, so he can he can get lost. There, there's no there's no sort of 80, 90 percent like there is with Johnson. So yes. Yeah,
1: yeah. I have no sympathy for him at all. I think that's all the news. Let's use the last bit of time, because you said earlier about how quite often you're just confused about Russia. And OK, I'm not a Russia expert. No, no, much, no. But, but I've but definitely got. Ask me some questions. Let's say 15 minutes. About yeah, yeah, sure. Something you'd like to know about Ukraine that maybe you've just you don't know that maybe a listener doesn't know that maybe. Yeah. I
0: Yeah. OK. So the first thing I wonder if we can tick off is the mm-hmm. constant references to eight years of attacks in the Donbass. So yeah. I've done research on this, but I still, I look at it. And when people say, you know, oh, they were doing this or oh, they were doing that, or oh, there was Nazis and things like that. And, and it's very, and you do not know which photos are false.
1: Mm-hmm. Um,
0: Cause you look at them when the trolls post these sort of grids of Nazi flags and things like that. So, yeah. Can, can you do us okay. a like a, a an intro or a background <laughs> into so sure. when someone goes eight years of eight years of shelling Donbas, or, yeah. or donbass because yeah. i know i know now it's not true but i, I just wondered if you can mm-hmm. sort of summarize the background
1: sure so i mean i think first of all this is something which probably requires a lot of time and like, oh yeah, yeah 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 i really want to get um i actually would Consider this a call for guests. Like, if if you are a listener of ours, fan of ours, and you are Ukrainian, you're from the uh, eastern Ukraine, you're from Donetsk Luhansk. I'd be like super keen for you to come on and talk about your experiences of this because I think mm. that would be super valuable. But I'm gonna just try to do my best here and explain what, yeah, what what are they are referencing to, what why this mm. is nonsense, and how to respond to this. Because I've talked about this a few times, and it's particularly it's 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 one of the trickiest forms of propaganda so i mean Mm -hmm. first of all you know okay so what are they saying eight years of donbass well now it would be nine years Mm -hmm. so what they're referencing to is 2014. So obviously, you know, after the Maidan revolution, when Yanukovych was kicked out, by the way, democratically, because he was elected a criminal by his parliament, it wasn't a CIA coup, (laughs) like people say. That's another topic for another day. (laughs) Um, But yeah, so they elected him. Obviously, Russia came and took Crimea to protect them and had their definitely not felt referendum, tried to force their leaders and then also started various uprisings in other regions of the country. Generally, they failed in most places. Uh, most people saw through them because people mm-hmm. were coming to pretend they were, you know, oh, we have oppressed Russian speakers. We don't want this Kiev regime, and, you know, whatever. And but basically, a lot of the time, they were Russians. Uh, I actually know someone who uh, is from Donetsk. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's like the city itself. And she said how what happened was there were people were generally pro my dad or didn't really, they felt Kiev was on way away, No one really... Majority of people didn't really have any like ill feelings. They weren't thinking mm-hmm. like, no, it's time to become part of Russia. No, uh, of course, many people in that region is very close to Russia. Most people speak Russian. Uh, some people felt a, a a different sense of identity to perhaps someone in Western or Central Ukraine. But generally, yes, they were Ukrainians, right? Um, what happened was a lot of the time, you know, you, you had all of a sudden these suspicious cars and vans turning up with with like Russian plates, and no one knew who these people were. Having protests, saying like we want to be part of Russia and stuff like that. And then basically this sort of escalated into more of an arms conflict with militias and who were receiving a lot of Russian military weapons and had some, you know, actual Russians in their ranks. So it was a mix of a few disgruntled locals. They were also like paying people to join them because, you know, mm-hmm. like, Hey, just jo- join this thing for a few Dollars, all right, yeah, okay, and so yeah, it was a mix of some people who, yes, who were stupid and generally did believe that, but it's a minority, and Russians, and then of course, then the the war stuff began to start when the, the Ukrainian army came and the ragtag militias, basically, you know what would become Azov and other ones, and kicked a lot of these people out. And it looks very much like uh, Ukraine was going to reclaim all of its territory in Eastern Ukraine. And then the Russian army actually came in proper because, you know, the guys fighting were a handful of idiots, basically, with guns and a few agents, whereas now, like, Russians was more like, you know, with with Strelkov, right, and this sort of stuff. They pushed back. And they really pushed back. And um, interestingly, they were kind of, like, they wanted Shogov wanted to go even further, but they didn't. Uh, it's okay, really so, interesting.
0: So he's yeah. the guy he's the guy who was shown to be responsible for the aircraft getting yes. shot down,
1: is that right? Yes, yes, that's true. Um, and he
0: now calls himself Gherkin.
1: Yeah, yeah, gherkin. G- like a pick like a pickle, yeah
0: is that yeah okay so that's him
1: okay yeah. pickle fascist yeah <laughs> um, he is yeah so, that, so they they push back and obviously yes so then there was more serious fighting between ukrainian armed forces and the uh the russian green men the soldiers I- in this region because generally as worth saying in the other regions where there were quote-unquote protests they generally failed they didn't yeah. have much support they didn't go so far yeah so by like, stroke would have liked to have gone a bit further than just into the create the dnr and lnr but anyway they create they pushed on and the ukraine army fall back and yet of course you know a lot of people to get caught up in this conflict and a lot of people died from Russian shelling various towns. Yes, of course, Ukraine fought back. Civilians are going to die. Now, Russian propaganda obviously liked to spin this as uh, you know, the Russian-Ukrainians were shelling Don, Donetsk and Donbass, as they always say, mm-hmm. like, for eight years. I'm getting a little bit ahead of myself. But yeah, so they actually, then we kind of got to the stalemate with the fight, with the most intense fighting where various towns were fought over and the borders were kind of established for the the proxy states in the occupied regions and this sort of dug in and generally yes yeah, so in that first year there was a lot of intense fighting a lot of shelling yes and of course some people did get killed um a lot of civilians did die quite like uh, 12,000 in total mm-hmm. civilians this number is important uh, you'll hear why in a minute okay. hey everyone i just want to say i make a small mistake here in the conversation you're about to hear uh, I use the figure 12,000 regarding casualties in the war in eastern Ukraine when it's actually 14,000, and I neglect to mention the crucial detail that this includes soldiers who actually make the majority uh, of the casualties. 2,000 civilians died, in fact, and mostly in the first few months due to Russian actions. This is an important detail I omitted as I got caught up in the conversation. Anyway, let's get back to your listening. But Then after that, generally, the, this, the, there was very little in the way of shelling. And generally, they, the civilian deaths really, really tailed off. Most of the time after this period, it was mined. But okay. Russian propaganda has, has basically taken the statistic of 12,000 civilian deaths to imply that 12,000 Russian-speaking civilians in the Don, in the Donbass mm. have been bombed by Ukraine for eight years Well, during the war. And they sort of like to present Ukraine as the aggressor that they were attacking these people who just wanted to use a self-determinationary part of russia no basically russia k- k- took over these regions with their proxies a lot of ukrainians left or some stayed there as hostage and kept their heads down um and the standard of living in this region's really plummeted you know these these are industrial hubs right these were mm-hmm. these were the richest areas of ukraine they had loads of natural resources factories all sorts and now and you know a few years you know uh there's a joke how before it was occupied by Russia and part of these so-called DNR and Mm -hmm. you know they had things like the Donetsk football stadium and all these cool stuff being built and then afterwards on the news would be like we now have a telephone (laughs) and they'd have this like propaganda about how great it is but the goal, yeah the quality of life was really bad there the economy really went downhill as you can imagine um but yeah it's not Ukraine was not bombing Donetsk or cities or, civilized, or civilians during mm-hmm. this period. Nearly all civilian deaths happening after the initial bit of conflict came from mines and things like this. But yes, okay. in the Russian world, Ukraine was bombing this area for so long. I've seen people, look at these children, they're hiding in shelters. And, and Or they always point out, you know, whenever Ukraine says, hey, you killed our people, well, the children of Donetsk felt this way. It's like, no, they didn't. Like this is you're just lying, but this is the reality they've created to create a sort of okay. even if you are both sides bad at least, you know what yeah. I mean? That's,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it's a standard way of operating for them now, isn't it? So yeah. yeah. So yeah,
1: there we go. That's my answer to that one.
0: Okay, so oh god. So yeah, so they they put agents in, sort of destabilized, mm-hmm. sent the sent soldiers in pretending to be agent pretending to be sort of activists. Mm -hmm. Then it became actual soldiers. Then Mm -hmm. they shot down the plane. Then they, Mm -hmm. they, oh, okay. And because I remember seeing a video, there was a video of a armored personnel carrier from Ukraine, barging through barriers in Mariupol. And Mm -hmm. um, yeah, so that was when they took that back. Oh,
1: you said, you missed, I didn't talk about, you said about like the things, the Nazi flags and stuff like that. Yes. Um, So where
0: do they come from?
1: Right, so you've got a few. First of all, a lot of them are photoshopped. That's 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 actually a big thing. And second of all, yeah. So this is coming into the topic of like those early days of the war. Mm -hmm. Ukraine's army had been hollowed out by corruption the years of Yanukovych, you know, the former president. And so, and basically, when the uh, these like militias kept popping up and protesters and especially after a lot of the initial soldiers you know died or were injured fighting mm-hmm. really needed manpower ukraine needed manpower various oligarchs including uh Kolomoisky and some other guys basically rich ol- oligarchs of ukraine funded basically militias which consisted of football hooligans and yeah football hooligans sometimes they have very questionable views so you did get some quote-unquote nazis or some actual nazis right so mm-hmm. as of at that time was a lot more hardline. um and so was a few other small groups. So yeah, the, these were people who knew how to fight. Um, they and they and they were determined fighters, and they were very, very hardcore. So yeah, a lot of there were use of these sort of far right battalions alongside other groups. Though you know, this the, the, they always Russian propaganda, of course, zeroed in on these, even though there were plenty of other like homegrown groups of just. Other people, uh, new soldiers, but they they like to focus, you know, the Azov mm-hmm. were the ones in Donetsk going around murdering Russian children, or whatever, which is funny because apparently, like the Russian Azov actually is very Russian speaking. Um, there's a lot of a lot of people <laughs> there are speaking Russian, so it's it's really dumb. But yeah, so you know, they, they like to take the the these things out of context, blow them out of proportion to make it out that Ukraine was all using lots of Nazis to come and kill those evil. Uh, those poor Russians, but mm-hmm. it's basically just twisting the truth. And the thing is, as we've seen, you know, a lot of these groups have grown. They've been brought into the Ukrainian army and kind of cleaned out a bit. Um, mm-hmm. Some of the, like their head like some of the more questionable people have sort of gone or some have died in conflict. Mm-hmm. This is a really complicated topic. Now we're talking about like the legacy of some of these groups. And I think mm-hmm. that's a topic for another day. But yeah, basically, okay. again, that they're they're, ta- they're exaggerating like a few small points of yeah okay there were some questionable people in these militias to go all ukraine and nazis okay, just... so,
0: so these are these are militias from 2014 mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. they've just carried yeah. it forward mm-hmm. um yeah. into the current but the situation is not a nine years old b yeah. a, a lot of them are probably dead injured or too old to fight um mm-hmm. ah, okay i get it yep yeah, mm-hmm. because i just wanted why where is this where did it all come from okay
1: there's also the other thing um we look we talked about this with jack you know that the ukraine russia always like to do this thing of like mm. people who oppose us are nazis and mm. uh, they they like to invoke the legacy of you know all that some of the ukrainian yeah, we nationalists yeah. were, were not na- yeah. with some of the ukrainian nationalists or two, fought alongside the nazis or collaborators so they like to paint out that anyone who's pro ukraine is a nazi mm-hmm. yeah just it's just what they like to do so of course whenever they do see anyone far right they like to it their worldview, even mm-hmm. though there's plenty of as we know there's plenty of nazi militias on the on the russian side let's look at wagner yeah, it's
0: actually it's, it's completely it's more it's, uh, I- yeah, it's much much worse, and is still valid as a as a problem in but in Ukraine. I don't think it's a problem. It's a less of a problem here than it in Ukraine than it is in a lot of other European countries now, isn't it? Mm-hmm. But that's what yeah, I find so annoying. You,
1: you, Ukraine's never had a far right party come to power. It's it, have never had they're a very small representation in parliament. Yeah, they yeah. have like two percent of the vote. Yeah,
0: if if that, I don't I think it's even less now. Um, yeah, and it's just. Uh, it's just continually baffles me and so that's good okay so we we know where that's coming from so you're based um on the other side of ukraine so i mean what's the impact been like on the on the far west now Mm -hmm. i mean how how is life there now what's it like um because we hear a lot about the east and the south but I mean, um, I, I know I know that Orban so I I'm sure I heard Orban had his eyes on taking something around the Carpathian Mountains or something. And I thought, oh God, no, we can we can do without more um sort of fake nationalists and things like that. But apart from that, I don't actually know much sure. about what is going there, going on there.
1: Sure. Okay. So first of all, you know, Ukraine is very big. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah, I do know, yeah. So if you go to like the, obviously Nearly every region of Ukraine, apart from like most of Zakarpattia, has had uh, some strikes. And you know, Lviv does get strikes every now mm. and again. Okay. Um, other cities have had something, uh, not. But generally, yeah, it's not so much towards Belarus the northwest. There, there mm-hmm. is like a height, are quite a heightened. There's been periods of a heightened security because mm-hmm. they're worried that people come from Belarus, but it's always come to nothing. Um. So, like most of the time in the west, ugh, life for most people is relatively normal but the the biggest challenge is that um obviously the population of a lot of places has like really increased so if you come here to us so this is the safest region this is right on the border of Slovakia and hungary as far west and south as you can go it's over the other side of the mountains right so Mm -hmm. when it flattens out again here um you know nothing's ever hit here never had a single missile strike or anything okay um but here the population has tripled uh, this obviously put a lot of stress on, you know, public services, jobs, things like this. And you do hear quite a lot of people speaking Russian because they've come from the east, whereas before there's a bit more of a mix. Um, so, yeah, there, there has been an increase. Uh, generally, one of the, obviously during the winter, there was a whole blackout that did affect everyone. These areas, a lot of it has become hubs for volunteers and people sending stuff from other, abroad. This is uh, more of a kind of a nice thing i suppose you know these okay. safe city and transfer yeah. hub. but yeah so i think like for most people who live here your day-to-day life isn't really impacted uh where i am a siren just means the supermarket's closed because nothing's ever going to come here they go <laughs> off they usually go off uh, when they go off across the whole country in case the missiles come from the mm-hmm. sea or a plane's taken off because they don't okay. they don't know where it's going to go but generally yep. it's fine. where i am Lviv and stuff it's different because that's like more north um so it's, they have been hit before uh, yeah, so generally, but yeah, so as I was saying, your life has generally not been impacted in so many ways—not as direct ways, but things like jobs and things like rent prices. These things have affected. There can be food shortages of certain goods. It's never like that no. bad, but think prices mm. can go up for random things. Yeah, it's 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 different. But the thing is, obviously, most people by now know someone who is fighting. That there's always these personal connections, or you, you have relatives in the city. we know people you know me and my wife we know people who have like have their places blown up they've had to flee everyone's got a personal connection to us war at this point um or they also they know someone that's gone abroad yeah so it's generally here it's like quite normal but there's a lot more people basically
0: okay that makes sense and yeah what was going on
1: yeah so so, so i'll explain this because so I, 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 i'm
0: sure i saw orban with a funny scarf on or a t-shirt or something yes, that had, had half the, of ukraine on it and everyone yeah, went he, hang on a he minute he
1: had, he had the pre treaty of trianon t-shirt where ukraine uh, where hungary was bigger and had uh yes what is this actually where i am right now but this region zachapachia uh, it's a very interesting historical region because it's always been a bit of a crossing point. it has been a really mixed cultural uh, culturally mi- and linguistically mixed area. you've had the, the the actually before they were even known really as ukrainians the Rusyns, Ruthenian people mm-hmm. uh, Slovak, like but like Slovakians poles, Jews uh all sorts of people mixing, uh, Hungarians uh mm-hmm. Romanians Roma yeah, very mixed area. Now, uh, basically, up in, it was part of Austro-Hungary, like a lot of Western Ukraine was. Yeah. Then what happened was, if after um, World War I, it became part of Czechoslovakia in the part of the Treaty of Trianon. So it became part of Czechoslovakia. Uh, Czechoslovakians did a lot of work in this region. Actually, a lot of in hum, in, in this town, there's a lot of Czech buildings are quite like quite nice, quite old. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of infrastructure was built by the Czechs in this region, uh, and then after World War II, basically the Hungarians nabbed it back, then, the, and then the Soviets came and took it, and so the, and then it became part of the the Ukraine's of Ukraine's border. I was going to say U- Ukrainian Republic border, mm-hmm. the Soviet Republic, and then it became part of Ukraine. Now, obviously. So, for some people like Auburn, this like this was an injustice. there are there is a lot of Hungarian speakers, especially in this nearer the borders of Hungary, okay. and they like to sort of claim that these people are oppressed and they want to be part oh, not alone. again. And Russia have and Russia have of course also <laughs> liked to stoke this. They used to try to fund other separatist groups. uh it yes. was Quite a long time of people who had a weird affinity to Russia. I, I learned recently a lot of old Soviet Russians retired in this region too. So there was okay. like a small degree of Russophilia, but never that big actually. So mm-hmm. there was always a, like a bit of an interest of like yeah, let's let's show that Ukraine is oppressing these people here, and you, you, you know just create this narrative. Mm-hmm. But the thing is, a lot of the Hungarian speakers here, are, uh, some of them have have left. But uh, because they're a bit worried, but a lot of them have now become to feel uh, they feel very disappointed by Orbán, and they okay. just obviously uh, they now feel more Ukrainian. Less kids are applying for the Hungarian schools now, yeah. and so it's really changing and also a lot of people yeah they have hungarian passports it doesn't actually mean they feel that hungarian they were very easy to get before a period we need to do is speak hungarian but so they might have a hungarian passport but also a ukrainian one you know what i mean mm-hmm. because hungary's got a really strong passport you can go to america visa free right so a, yes. lot Ukra- a lot of ukrainians is a great opportunity for work a lot of people come here and go to america actually with a hungarian passport come back and do stuff So that's quite common um so yeah basically it's based on historical revisionism and nonsense there is an element of truth in that you know some hungarians have felt a bit annoyed by laws at making them speak in ukrainian but then there's also an issue of well if they can't speak ukrainian they can't go to university here so they just go abroad so it's it's like well maybe we need to help the ukrainian that's a really interesting issue uh, Mm -hmm. and it's quite complicated but like the idea that yes ukraine is oppressing hungarian speakers is laughable you can go down the road here's hungarian they write signs in hungarian and ukrainian uh, I don't think anyone has a wish to really become part of Hungary
0: right now. So, yeah. Well, yeah. Especially as everyone wants to join the EU, right? Not leave it. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think that's a, the fatal flaw in um, Orban's plan there is that um, he's completely dependent on the EU, but it just seems he, j- he just has to be um, belligerent just to... Um, I don't know why. Anyway, Hungary is another day, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and... Um,
1: one more, I think, and then we can wrap up.
0: Yeah, I, th- I think so. We'll just do a, we'll just do a quick one, and um, we got, to, we have Lviv and Kiev. Yes, so they're the two. Are they the two main cities? Would you say? I
1: didn't hear. The, you, the, uh, oh, sorry.
0: So uh, the two main cities are Kiev and is Lviv uh, the, the Lviv, next one up? Uh, Lviv,
1: Lviv. Um, Lviv. So, so, so it's not quite. Lviv is smaller in population size. So hmm. really, Kharkiv or Dnipro are like. Okay. Population they have bigger populations. Right. Um, but culturally Lviv is very much seen as like a real heart of Ukrainian identity. Everyone speaks very like uh, their like very particular dialect of Ukrainian.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh it's a very patriotic place. Um, okay. it's 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 very historical, it's a beautiful city. I love it. Um, so it's it's a little, very touristic, it's very historical, whereas, you know, Harkiv is an industrial city. Mm-hmm. And you've got Odessa on the coast, and Odessa is very much like, you know, the port city, the dock city. Uh, big Jewish influence there. Um, you know, they have their own sort of dialect and slang, okay. of a bit of Yiddish and. Oh, and, and, and ah, interesting. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Okay, um, so. Yeah. Um, I'm just trying to get an idea of the um the, the sort of different areas. So, you'd say mm-hmm. the east is would be industrial, am I right there? So, yeah, the east, yeah, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. And west uh, west is always more agricultural. Well, the south is obviously the major like agricultural thing, but west was more okay. West was also agricultural, historical, it's not yeah. industrial. Um, now Lviv is going to be a bit of a tech hub because of a lot of companies. Well, some of them in Kiev, Ukraine is a big tech hub in general mm. but a lot of them have gone to Lviv um if they haven't gone abroad because it's very safe there okay um yeah so it is a bit different economically yep. um there's i've learned once of a the stereotype there's east eastern eastern ukrainians think people in western ukraine all go abroad and are lazy and don't want to work whereas they stay in ukraine and make the and work there there's sort of like a bit of a funny stereotype.
0: Oh, okay the, so yeah. that sounds that sounds a bit like um soft southerners and and sort mm-hmm. of hard grafting Northerners in um, mm-hmm. in England, doesn't it? I think that's yeah, yeah okay, bit, actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah 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 okay. Yeah, I'm just trying to get an idea of the different different regions. Um, so Odessa, down towards Transnistria, Moldova,
1: oh, and that Romania. Bit, in the, south, a bit yeah. in the south, you see the like the strange bit uh, where it's like you, you it kind of goes out and in again. Yeah, so that's like a really interesting area. So that's Bessarabia. So that was part of Romania for a very long time. Okay. And there is super. I really want to go there. I've not. I've never been there. It's a bit tricky to get to because you have to like drive around Transnistria basically in the road and white badge. But yeah. it's really ethnically diverse again. So there's like Bulgarians, Albanians, Romanians, all these different groups there. Yeah. People speak very different languages. And there's a place which is called like the Ukrainian Venice. It's meant to be. Re- yeah. Wow. It's meant to be really cool. Okay. I really want to go. It's like water city. Sort
0: of. Yeah. I'm, I was just trying to get an idea of this. Give people an idea of the scale of the of the place because I think it's people.
1: It's yeah. massive.
0: It is a big big old country um but with a f- sort of comparatively low population I would There's you say
1: a really good paper by one of the people who is lined up to be a guest one day mm-hmm. uh Eugene Finkel um mm-hmm. he talks about the different identities in Ukraine. And it's just sort of pre-2014. Okay. And it's interesting he gets it right, you know, because like, it's changing and he basically predicts how it will change and there'll be a more pro-Ukrainian, Ukrainian-speaking identity taking over in, like, areas which perhaps before, oh, you okay, know, they didn't you. really mind so much because they, you know, remember, Ukraine and Russia had a close relationship for a lot of time. and so
0: they did, yeah.
1: yeah. So, so so a lot of people may just not felt the same identity as in the West, but, like, where it, who were a lot more mm. patriotic, let's say um but it's changing because obviously people are feeling rejected there are different identities and different relationships to language and it, and it it does change in the regions but it's constantly in flux as well it's, it's super fascinating i will share this paper perhaps or yeah, you know what idea, no yeah. i actually it's funny i started writing about this topic the other day in my blog i want you know my, thing, my things that okay. surprise me part, part of it part of it i'm writing is uh what's surprising is the diversity and so i will link when this episode comes out, I will publish that and uh, promote and link it. So if anyone wants to learn more to this paper, they can read a bit more from me. There sounds we go. good.
0: Okay. Oh, that's perfect. There we go. Oh. Uh, good. Thank you very much. It's nice to have a, an in-house expert.
1: Yeah. <laughs> got to talk um, about Crane for yeah. a bit. It's a so cream. how
0: is your um, doctorate coming on?
1: Fine. Fine. Yeah, I'm coming to the end. I've got to submit for my review this in, in a few not long now actually uh open. okay by four day time by what day? Ah, yep. Tuesday uh and then oh, that's, not, wow. the final, that's okay. not that's not the oh no, that's not the final thing don't okay. worry it's not that bad and then I'll get some feedback and then I'll be submitting it for the for the end sometime in August or something and I'll be popping okay. back to the UK to do, uh in, at the end of in this autumn for a little bit and then, uh, brilliant then
0: don't
1: know fingers crossed there. fingers oh. crossed Oh, okay. a doctor. we'll have a doctor on the pod yeah. Yeah, that'll be great yeah okay well I guess that's I think, everything
0: I think yeah. we're good I think we've covered everything um, we'll pick up on the Africa thing in the next episode because I don't oh, think
1: yeah.
0: we won't find no, anything no. out until after this anyway so
1: okay cool that sounds all good okay, thank you very well. much Joe oh, thanks for all those we, answers we didn't, we didn't shout out anything
0: oh let's do that now
1: let's do that now yeah. um, so I think this week, ah, um, in possibly by the time this is out, I will be doing a fundraiser, uh, for four x four with the sixty-nine sniffing brigade. If it's not out, it will be out soon. Please keep an eye. I, I will ask for as much donations and help and support in this. Yeah, uh, trying to find a four x four for um some, some members of the international legion on the front lines. So please, uh, help with that. Uh, okay.
0: Yeah. Um, I will say. A- couple of things um don't forget to buy death from above on steam um mm. i'm a patron of that game and one of the authors is from nafo as well so yeah get yourself on steam and buy that so there is official nafo we have created a community on twitter um where you can come along join in and if you're being shadow or hidden or just want to meet some new people then you can sign up on the community. Um, yes, um so there is a community that is shared by official nafo so you can join Mm -hmm. on there so if you look on their feed you can you can join i think there's about 700 people on it already, um but it's definitely worth um it just means that you can share stuff um without being hassled or um Band or you know do you see what I mean? So you know how Twitter that's communities great. work. Yeah, it's a really good good idea. Um, so we'll give them a plug for their store as well. Uh, you can buy mugs and T-shirts and patches and all sorts of things. So um, head on over there and get yourself a mug.
1: Great, well, that sounds fun. I'll have a look yep. at that. Even, I even missed that. Um, yep. Well, I guess that's it for today. Yep. And uh, hopefully we'll have a guest next week. That's yeah, like I think we'll be no, full uh, again. Yeah.
0: I think we will. Yep. Um, All right, mate. I'm going to to eat. Yeah, thanks, Joe.